Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. But I pray that you are having a wonderful time. However you are choosing to celebrate or not celebrate, that you feel the presence of the Lord and the hope that His coming to earth has brought into our lives. And so I want to turn with you to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verses 26 through 38 together. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so this morning, I want to share with you a simple thought that the Lord gave me at the beginning of the year and has helped carry me through the year 2020. And it is my sincere prayer that it will lift your heart and encourage you today. This is my thought this morning. Mary knew enough. Mary knew enough. As you know, I have a passion for studying and teaching on women in scripture. And for the last couple of years, I have tried to present to us the unique role of women in the Christmas story. We've looked at the prophetess Anna last year. We looked at Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. But I have to admit to you this morning, there is something so daunting about trying to speak to Mary's role in the Christmas story. Other than Jesus Christ, I cannot think of another character in Scripture who is more celebrated, who more has been written about than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Some of the most well-known music and even uh, pieces of art that we know of are from her unique perspective. And while we do not regard her as holy, She's not a deity of any kind. We certainly acknowledge the profound role she had in God's plan. God, in his incredible wisdom, chose a woman to literally bring his solution into the world. You see, it was through a woman, man fell from God's original design that was Eden. 
Eve's sin brought God's judgment into a newly created world for the very first time. And while Eve is the recipient of the blame of life as we know it, let us not forget this morning that it is through a woman named Mary that Emmanuel arrived on the scene. It is fascinating to consider how very little we know about the woman who was highly favored and blessed among women. I propose maybe that that's the point that God was making through Luke's writing. Her background did not matter. We do not know much about Mary's life or even her family. We know she was most likely a teenager based on the culture of that time and the acceptable age of engagement and marriage. Mary was a Jewish girl of no notable background. She was, by all indications, from a poor family. She was from Galilee, specifically from Nazareth, a place not regarded well at the time. And other than her recorded involvement in Jesus' life and ministry, this is all we know about the one Yahweh chose to house and raise the long-awaited Messiah. And to all of our mothers at Calvary, I want to encourage you with this realization today. God had a mom. In his divine plan, God chose to give himself a mother. He could have come any way he chose, by any means that he chose. Yet God, in his incredible insight, he chose a first-time mom of no earthly notoriety to love him and guide him through the majority of his earthly life. The amazing love and nurturing that only a mother can provide was something Jesus Christ experienced and understood. It was something he chose for himself. Mothers of the Calvary Church, you are doing an important work in your family and in this great church. Do not let the enemy and do not let this world tell you any differently. The Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, had someone he called mom. Mary, a peasant teenager, would be given an assignment beyond comprehension. She would be asked to lay down her plans, to lay down her reputation. Who she was was not what qualified her. She was to give her life wholly to God's Plan For it was Mary's purity, it was her beautiful willingness that qualified her for such a task. Her answer to this incredible assignment seems to be all that we need to know about her, according to Dr. Luke. Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Here we see Mary become the first disciple. But consider with me today all that Mary did not know. As a first-time mom, I think we can assume there was quite a bit she didn't know about a lot of things at this point in her young life. It was certainly my experience, and I know the experience of others. There's nothing like the excitement and the fearful anticipation of having your first child. And I would say, thank God, 
that we women do not know all that lies before us, not just in labor and delivery, but beyond the task assigned to us as mom. You see, I'm sure there were experienced mothers around Mary, Elizabeth becoming one of them in the, in the next few months, who shared their birth stories and terrified young Mary. See, that's kind of a rite of passage in the female world is your birth story. You men have fishing stories. You speak in terms of the size of the catch, what kind of lure, what kind of bait, and all other types of nonsense. But, but we women, we speak in terms of inches and pounds and hours in labor and delivery. We speak in terms of medications that we were given or not given to simply bring life into the world. And so frankly, this morning... There really is no comparison. Women do amazing things. But many scholars believe that Dr. Luke would have received his information straight from Mary herself. She would have been the most reliable source. There's no memory like the memory of a mother, especially concerning her children. And if that's the case, think with me now of the many, many details that Mary does not seem to be given in the exchange between her and Gabriel in Luke 1. Let's ponder the gravity of Mary's assignment given to her from an angel. It's simply this. You will have a son, and he will be the Messiah. He will reign forever. Mary's response to the greatest assignment ever given to a human being can be summed up just as succinctly. The Bible says she praised God and simply said, let it be to me according to what you've said. Could there be a braver answer? My title today is inspired by the Christmas song that we know and love, Mary, Did You Know? In my mind, there are few Christmas songs that really bring us to the heart of Christmas and consider the powerful message of the manger. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamp? And the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. I do not know that that precious young Jewish girl could have comprehended, let alone anticipated, all that Jesus would be and all that he would do. Yet her song of praise makes us to know that she grasped the magnitude of what she was agreeing to be a part of. Her worship indicates a heart that understood the fact that the prophecies that she heard as a little child are now going to be fulfilled through her. This morning, I believe that even though Mary did not know a lot, Mary knew enough. I propose today that you and I find ourselves in a similar position as Mary. While she anticipated his first coming to earth, we live in an anticipation of his second coming. The argument could be made that we know more than Mary actually did. 
Like any Jewish girl, she would have grown up hearing prophecies like Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time even forever. In Mary's famous song of praise, we hear evidence that Mary knew those Old Testament teachings. She had been learning about these prophecies her entire life. And now she would become a part of the fulfillment of God's plan. And while she most likely knew exactly what Gabriel meant in that moment, she would have no idea the incredible journey she was about to begin. And so it is for us, for those upon whom the ends of the world are come. You see, Mary, like others in Scripture, was on a need-to-know basis. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but I remember when I first heard the term, a need-to-know basis, and it probably doesn't surprise you that my Holy Father was the one that introduced that phrase into my life. Being the oldest of the family, I felt like it was my responsibility to know all things that were going on in the house, and I had a way of peppering him with questions in a way that irritated him very much. And so he had all these little quips and one-liners that he would use to shut me down real fast. You know, one of them was, um, are you writing a book, Chris? And I'd say, yes, because I was a smart aleck. And he would say, well, good, then leave out a chapter. And so this was one of those lines that he used on me growing up. He'd say, Chris, you're on a need-to-know basis. And you don't need to know. But Cambridge Dictionary defines the term this way. If you tell people something on a need-to-know basis, you only tell them the facts they need to know at the time they need to know them, and nothing more. And so this morning, I want to remind the Calvary Church that God's people have always been on a need-to-know basis as far as he is concerned. 2020 has sobered up the church. It has made us think about end times with clarity and even trepidation, if we're honest. And I would say more than ever, we are aware that Jesus is coming soon. The signs are all around us. The fact that this world has an expiration date has become more clear to us with every new cycle in the year 2020. There is more to this life, my friends, than our present experience, and thank God for it. And while there is much we do not know about the days leading up to the return of the Lord, I want to encourage you today that we know enough. We may not know the future, but this book tells you and I what we need to know. The coming of the Lord is certain. His word is being fulfilled before our eyes every day. Pastor Tom and I have been asked a lot of questions this year about the coming of the Lord and about prophecy. COVID, rioting, a wild election have made us consider what the scripture has said 
the last days will be like. This morning, we really don't know when COVID will be over. We don't know what our country will be like in 2021. And what we have learned this year is that things can change very quickly. But this morning, I want to remind us that Isaiah's prophecy is still our promise. He is still wonderful. He is still counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the prince of peace. And the government is on his shoulder. And we need to leave it there. That word for shoulder, I've always been so intrigued by that imagery. And I looked into it this week. And that word for shoulder actually refers to the space between your shoulders. It was the place of burden in ancient times where you would do the heavy lifting and intense labor. And that really struck my heart to realize that the mess of the U.S. government and the rest of the world is something only God can carry. And we do well to leave it there. I implore you prayerfully, leave it on the Lord's shoulders. Release yourself today from the burden of trying to figure out when the rapture is going to take place. I would caution you as your pastor and your friend, be careful who you are listening to right now in terms of prophecy and these divine projections. I beg you, when you feel fearful and overwhelmed about what you do not understand about the coming of the Lord, get off the World Wide Web and get on your knees with his book, and the Lord will speak to you concerning these things. We are on a need-to-know basis. Our information is limited. We know what we need to know for the time being. And so today, if you're not sure what this word says, maybe in times of of fearful trepidation, you can't remember what this word says. I want to share briefly some scriptures with you. The king's heart, Proverbs says, is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wishes. God's in control of whoever is in power today. 1 Samuel 2.7 says, the Lord lifts up and the Lord puts down. We get to vote, but God decides. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when he returns, Jesus said. In the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Jesus said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. Peter wrote, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, Paul told us. But of that day and hour, Jesus said, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. No eye has seen, my friends, no ear has heard the things God has prepared for those who love him. This is what we know this morning. And with each day, we get closer to the rapture of the church Don't be distracted by your fears or the predictions of well-meaning people. We're on a need-to-know basis. What we know about the end of time was carefully calculated by a God who knows us and a God 
who loves us. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. We know what we know so we can anticipate his return. Not so that we are fearful and distracted by what's happening around us. He has overcome the world and he is with you and I. No doubt, Mary must have gone back to her personal revelation that day as Jesus' fame grew. The promises and the prophecies must have flooded her heart at times as she literally saw the word become flesh and do everything that the prophet said he would do. But how far did those promises seem on a day like Golgotha's hill? I cannot imagine Mary's shattered heart, her broken dreams as she watched her son suffer and die. She knew what had been said of him, and yet what she saw and what she knew must have been in such conflict with one another. You and I can relate to that experience in the year 2020. And I'm here to tell you that as sure as God's plan was being was coming to pass in Mary's experience, it is coming to pass in our experience right now. There are more questions than answers as far as this world is concerned. But as believers, we do not have to live in the hopelessness of the headlines. Bishop Dad used to say, Jesus is not coming back for a church on life support, just holding on, hoping to make the rapture. Jesus is coming for a glorious church, Paul said. He will have a victorious, ready bride when he comes. We know enough. We have what Mary had, the promise of his presence and the assurity of his divine plan. And this morning, this truth applies to the church and to us as individuals. What is next in our lives in the coming year? As his purpose and plan unfolds, we may not know a lot, but we know enough. Like Mary, we have the promises the Lord has given to us personally. Like Mary, we have the prophecies given to God's people. And if the Lord should delay his coming and we begin a new year, I prayerfully implore you that instead of focusing on what you do not know about the year 2021 and beyond, I pray that as God's people, you would prayerfully consider and focus on what you do know, according to this book. We do well to follow Mary's incredible example. Mary listened and obeyed the word of the Lord, and she put her confidence in what she had been promised. And I want us to do the same this last Sunday morning of 2020. I want us to pray together as individuals. If you have family in the room and, and you feel like that's appropriate, I encourage you to do that. But I just want us to focus our hearts. I know we've thought about a lot of things. Christmas brings with it a lot of emotion, a lot of memories. But as we're facing the new year and reflecting on this past year, I want you to make the focus of your prayer for your life and your family, 
what you know this word says. And maybe as I've been preaching to you this morning, you feel like, you know what, I, I don't know. I'm not as familiar with these verses as I should be. Make that part of your personal commitment to say, God, show me what I need to know. What you feel like I need to help me. Wait for your return. Show it to me, Lord, in your word. God, I love you. I thank you for this great church. You have been so faithful to us. Through sickness, through job losses, Lord, through uncertainty, your people have taken you at your word. They have been faithful to you. They have taken care of each other. And so, God, I just feel a healing presence, Lord, in this room that I believe is being felt in every home that is watching right now. Restore hope today, God. Take the hope that we've placed in individuals and ideas and slogans that we've been fed this year and put our trust back in you where it belongs. For it is true, God, if anything we've learned this year, there's a lot we don't know, a lot we don't understand. There is much we have no control over. But God, we have control over where we place our focus in this coming year. And so we choose you. We take you at your word as Mary did. We know very little, Lord. And so we trust you with what we cannot anticipate and even with things that we don't understand. And so I pray your peace in every home, every head of household, Lord. I pray you would anoint them with fresh oil for the coming year, that you would give us wisdom. You would speak to us, Lord. You alone know what's going to happen next. And so, God, as we spend time in your presence and in your word, reassure us we know what we need to know, and it is enough. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.